So I'm like five years behind on what technology fascinates me. Sure. Uh, so I discovered three, uh, 360 video. Okay. So I was going through uh, a bunch of 360 videos just sort of like marveling at like, oh, this is super cool. I can like look around as, you know, they did one for Man on Wire where he's tightrope walking between the, the two towers oh, nice. at the yeah. World Trade Center. And I was clicking on that, and then I found this this VR experience. It's not a 360 video, but it's a VR experience, and I can't remember what it's called. But basically, uh, they took the audio, like actual audio recording of British bomber pilots, huh, uh, and crew, and created an entire VR experience inside this bomber. Jesus, uh, where they recreate everyone and everything inside and outside, uh, and. You basically fly a bombing mission over Berlin, oh. and it's wow. really cool because it's got the actual audio and shit. Right, right. And so you're hearing these pilots like they're singing songs and like making jokes, and then they finally <laughs> get over and they're like, "Oh, there goes one of our guys! Like he's going down." They're like, "Good luck, boys!" And they like you watch this plane oh, like plummet out of the sky into like the raging inferno and in the black below. Oh. It's amazing. Wow. Ugh. Yeah. Yeah. That so sounds was, a lot more economical than bombing Berlin in real life, which is what I was planning on doing. Right. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, from there, I started thinking, I was like, oh, shit. Like, is this going to be a thing? Like, we're, like now where we recreate um, historical scenes from, like, whatever echoes hmm. we have, just so hmm. we can experience it again? And I, I got to thinking about the... Uh, I can't remember what, cam what it's called, but there's a camera... That's the size of, like, a Volkswagen Beetle. Okay. And you can put it on one side of a room and turn it on and record. And I can't remember exactly how it works, but essentially it doesn't, like, record light particles entering the lens onto a sensor. Mm -hmm. It, like, records the motion of the light particles in the room, uh, which is a huge amount of data. But essentially, you put this camera on one end of the room, and then in post, you can go through and, like, change the camera angle. Weird. Like, move the camera around and oh, post. Oh, I've heard of these. Yeah. yeah. So I was like, okay, so we can do that now with light. How, what are what else can we do? Like, what other echoes can we pick up on? Mm-hmm. And then I started thinking about Assassin's Creed and the Animus. And I'm like, yeah. oh, God. <laughs> like, are we well, going to be able to, like, strap into a machine and, like, relive the Civil War? <laughs> uh, yeah, as long as I get to shoot JFK, I'm so down with this. <laughs> The infamous assassination of JFK in the mm. American Civil War. Yep. <sighs> so, now that we've talked about nothing for 15 minutes... True. Uh, I don't know how to awkwardly, or not awkwardly, broach the topic at hand. I'm just going to remain silent to make it more awkward. Okay. That's... <laughs> I'm not going to make that joke. Uh... <laughs> Uh, so, to the listeners, uh, James and I have been talking some shit over, and this is, this is difficult to, to talk about, because it's, it's such a, it's a very sensitive subject, but there's been this trend line throughout our podcast, which many of our patrons in particular have noticed. And that is the trend line of a theme of depression as a, uh, you know, mental illness that lots of people deal with uh, historically and in the modern day. 
And the two of us have had setbacks many times because we've both dealt with depression in a very serious way. Uh, I'm not in the midst of it right now. And James has been dealing with it more than I have. Uh, But I definitely had it when we started. And it was real bad. I'd been in it for like probably two years before we started the podcast. And as we went through and developed the show, um, we started to notice that there was not only a trend in our sketches, but also in the people we were covering. It seemed like, you know, one out of every five characters we covered sort of dealt with depression of some kind. And that's a tough one to talk about when you've dealt with it yourself, because it's, a, it's again, a very sensitive subject. But we found that we struck a nerve with a lot of our listeners because we made it real, so to speak. And, uh, well, this comes up now because of a couple reasons. One, it's been, it's come to our attention that the Rachmaninoff episode has gotten a ton of, a ton of attention because it deals with a guy who dealt with depression And the Edgar Allan Poe got some attention because it also dealt with a guy who was a little bit depressed. And we just wanted to have, like, a little fireside chat about the topic and maybe bring up some of our, you know, some of our own failings and stories and and that sort of thing uh, just to sort of bring this down a notch. Because the reality is, like, most, not most, but so many people deal with depression uh, on a you know, daily, lifely basis, uh, that it's, it's not something that I, I honestly think, um, I don't think we should ignore, uh, the fact that this has been a trend. I don't know if James, you feel any differently. No, I'm with you. And, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll be back to our regular format soon, but yeah, like, like you said, we just, we found out that it's, well, people love our history and love love the comedy, but one of the most surprising things is that we we talk about depression quite a bit, and like you said, people really seem to connect with that. So we decided that hey, we should we should talk about this a little bit more. See see how that goes. Yeah, and it's it's a it's it's tough and it's touchy because you know it's very very personal. Um, but in you know not because we necessarily. Not because of necessarily strictly transparency. Uh, the the show has been largely colored by our own experiences, and the uh, the content has been colored by our own experiences. I mean, that's what you get with a podcast. That's the whole point of a podcast is to get uh, another person's perspective on some some shit. And for us, it's you know been history, but also our sketches and things have largely reflected reality. I mean, they're not completely real, obviously. I tell people I, I play a character on the show, and I do, mm-hmm. um, but the character on the show is largely largely based on me when I was at my worst, when I yeah. was absolutely in the worst shape of my life. And I don't mean physically, just strictly mentally. I mean, I was like, I my weight fluctuated. I was 20 pounds overweight, and then I lost 20 pounds, and you know, I stopped eating and all that shit, um, you know, that classic depression shit, you know. Um, yeah, you were you were like a a mother black bear uh, in her hibernation <laughs> cycle. <laughs> that's exactly right. Yep. Uh, well, and that's that's uh, that's 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 kind of what it is. You know, you, you you give up and you're like, ah, fuck it, I'll just hibernate for the winter. Mm-hmm. <laughs> just, just gonna go hide. 
I don't mean Ooh. to make light of it, but that is literally what it is. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, maybe I'll start with my my story, my personal side of this, and then maybe James, if he feels up to it, will want to share too. Yeah, do do begin. Okay. Sounds good. Let's just go with this. So, this time we actually don't have a script. <laughs> no, we literally don't have a script. <laughs> and uh, this is this is this is going to be a rarity. We don't do just you know off the you know I don't know what you'd call it like behind the scenes stuff very often. Uh, yeah. I would just say if you don't want to hear about depression and stories about uh, struggling with it, uh, go listen to our previous episodes. I recommend John Van Leiden. That's a good one. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know if James has a recommendation for those of us who don't want to be talking about depression. Uh, definitely don't listen to our first episode. That yeah, will, for Christ's right. sake. <laughs> Whatever you do, do not listen to the first episode. Yeah, that that won't help any Oof. anyone. No, that'll so. just make you more depressed. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, so yeah, uh, let's go back in time, shall we? <laughs> Thank you, James. So, I started dealing with depression after getting into college, and I didn't really hit it hard until I got into my graduate program. Uh, but I would say the third year of college was, uh, where it started. And the reason it started was, uh, I had someone who I was going out with, uh, who I really was deeply Mm. in love with. And she was literally not the person I thought she was. Mm -hmm. It was a long distance relationship that went sideways faster than you can say New Zealand. It (laughs) Oh, yeah. It was a it was a disaster, and it destroyed my life for a little while because she was my world, mm-hmm. uh, and you know that sucks and all, and you know everybody goes through breakups. But I had prioritized that relationship above pretty much pretty much everything else in my life. Like that was my thing that I wanted to get, and then it was taken away from me, and I was completely aimless. Well, let, and let me just back you up real quick, uh, because yeah, breakups are big for everyone. But you and I and Stop me if this is wrong, but you and I were raised in a mindset that the first Christian woman we'd we'd met, she would be the one, and we we would form this beautiful relationship, it would uh, be great the rest of our lives, yada yada yada. There was no, I don't know, mindset that, oh no, she might not be the one. Does that ring true at all? I mean, that that rings partially true. I think the major flaw was that in that mindset, and, you know, it's partially because it was high school and shit, but in that mindset, uh, in a relationship, you are posing for one another. Mm. Uh, You're pretending to be the good Christian boy and the good Christian girl, and both of you know that under the surface you're pretty fucked up, but you can't say it to each other. And you can't talk yeah. about it. Um, you know, you're afraid to say what you really think. You can't communicate. You can't say... I mean, and, that, and you know, I say it sounds like it was an entirely an act of betrayal, but I think it was uh, much more complicated than that, just like everything else in history. Mm-hmm. Uh, there wasn't a good side and a bad side. There was a, um, there was a common enemy that was deception. Yeah. Uh, lying to yourself and lying to others about who you actually were. So... Anyway, that's where it started for me, and when I finished, when I, and I literally, like, spun completely out of control, um, just absolutely out of fucking control, just every day was horrible, I was, I mean, I got to the point where I would, like, go to class, I would teach, and I would get, I would come home, and it would be, like, after, the afternoon, like, one o'clock, maybe, Mm -hmm. and I would just bust open a packet of cigarettes and sit on my couch and smoke. Mm. 
until it was like eight o'clock and then I'd go to bed. Yeah, I I don't know much, but that doesn't sound too healthy. No, uh, <laughs> uh, no, it was it was Ugh. yeah. I picked up smoking just like that. All the other grad students were smoking, um, and I was just like, hey, maybe there's something to this. And it turns out that there was. It tends to distract you from uh, thinking about like how horrible things really are, and you know, right. you sort of you also when you when you do something like that, you sort of pick up the um, the feeling of. Well, well, and this is this is the part of it that that's going to be tough for a lot of people because I think, at least in my case, part of my depression was my fault. Mm. Uh, mm-hmm. I sat around feeling sorry for myself for so long, and that's that's and it manifested itself in me being like, "Look at me! I can sit on a couch for seven hours and smoke." Yeah, yeah. yeah. Inside, like that was the other part of it. It was like, "I'm going to smoke in my apartment because <laughs> there there were no rules against it. It's an old right. shitty apartment. You can smoke in there. They're just going to bomb it when you leave." Mm-hmm. Um, so I, so I was just like, mm, I just sit inside and smoke, you know, and nobody knows my suffering. I'm so sad. And I'm yeah. not saying it wasn't real what I was feeling because I didn't feel inspired to do anything. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that was like, that was the worst. That was like the absolute worst was just yeah. complete apathy and self abuse, uh, for hours at a time. And well, that's, yeah. And then your mind just picks up on those little things that, and it becomes this this never ending cycle because your your brain goes, look at you, you fat lazy fuck. You won't mm-hmm. even go outside to smoke these cigarettes. Yeah, exactly. And then you go, oh shit, I I'm such a piece of shit. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it, yeah. it just goes on and on and on. Yeah, and you know people are concerned, but they don't know what to say. And when they do ask, you kind of get this is the part of it that's a little insidious. Mm-hmm. When people do ask if something's wrong, you know you can you can do a couple of things, but one of them is you can say nothing's wrong. Right. And that's a fucking lie, and you know it, but yep. you don't want to say it. And you can also say there's nothing wrong, implying heavily that there is something very wrong, but you just don't know me. You know, you don't <laughs> yeah. know my dark secret. You don't know that I'm a pathetic addict who sits on a couch and smokes yeah. for hours at a time. You don't know that shit, so I'll just be mysterious. You know, and I ran into that a lot with the other grad students, because every fucking grad student there was depressed as hell. Like, yeah, straight yeah. up. Like, if you're a grad student, you are depressed. Like, sorry. <laughs> That's a prerequisite. <laughs> yeah, it's a prereq. Like, they look at your mental health, and they're like, eh, you're too happy you can't become a grad student. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, uh. you know, f- for me, I, it, I was basically becoming those who I was around. Hmm. And I was also enjoying it because, and this is this is the other insidious part of it, uh, I was kind of mad at my parents, and mm-hmm. I don't know why. Uh, I had all these made-up reasons in my head why I should be mad at my parents, and I held on to them, and I, I just fucking stuck with it. And it was, it kind of gave me an odd, an odd uh, feeling of revenge hmm. to be such a fuck-up. It was, it was, um... It was n- sitting there knowing that they would be mad at this, that this would hurt them. Yeah. That's the that's the worst part of it, because it, it really, it did hurt them. Right. And I was just sitting there enjoying it and sort of wallowing in my own misery and feeling sorry for myself and all the rest. And, yeah. Um, you know, and I did that for a good long while. And when I graduated, I went back home and obviously, you know, couldn't smoke as much there, but I still smoked. Uh and I had this crazy situation where I lived with my sister for a while because I didn't want to live in my parents' house. And, uh, you know, that all blew up because I was such an asshole. And then uh, I moved on to James's couch, and we were talking about starting the podcast at this time. And James saw me at my absolute worst. 
Mm-hmm. Um, I was suicidal, uh, just absolutely crazy with anxiety all the time. You know, it, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but there were at least several times where James would just watch me sit there and cook in my own anxiety. Mm-hmm. And you could just feel it from across the room. For sure. Well, and I want to butt in here real quick and say that we didn't we didn't really know each other at this point. Um because we were friends in high school and we were both totally different people behind these facades in high school. Then we didn't really talk over college for all sorts of different reasons. Um not nothing personal. Well, for you at least. For me it was <laughs> definitely personal. But then that summer we kind of started well, f- spring and summer, we, we kind of started to become friends again, but we weren't we weren't close uh, like we are now. So <laughs> I was like, "Oh, Aaron, he's kind of a co- cool guy." Wait, what? He's on my couch and depressed all the time. <laughs> How did this end up happening? <laughs> so I ended up on James's couch for several months while we were working on the podcast together, and I was not working. I was just burning through my savings, uh, you know, literally money I had earned working at McDonald's in high school, like. You know, that I just saved up. Some of the cash came from, you know, my job as a, as a lecturer, lecturer, I don't know if you're TA, whatever. Somebody who ran a class or part of a class. Um, yeah. You know, just eating through it, just watching my bank account sink. Um, you know, I was dr- driving up to my brother's every almost every weekend, you know, just to party and hang out. And, you know, I'd go up there and drink and smoke like crazy and... You know, everybody up there was also dealing with depression, and, you know, it was winter time, and nobody was happy. I lived in, uh, the we lived in, well, you lived and I borrowed living <laughs> in the shittiest town imaginable. Oh, oh, yeah. oh God. <laughs> there was a pizza restaurant called Chubby's, and... <laughs> They had a, they had like a little billboard, and the bill on the billboard they had a new like boner pun every week, and that was that was like the hub of the town. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> There's like a guy in there with his wife, and they're like watching The Simpsons and making a pizza every hour and a half. And yeah, like, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> you know, for the drunken for the drunken citizens to come in and just like mow, mow down on and. Yeah, this was the worst town in all of Wisconsin. This was, I mean, this was, I don't want to say it was, like, the worst it could be, but this was limbo to the max, this mm. place. Mm-hmm. It was, like, stuck in the 90s slash 2005, um, you know, and it was one of the coldest Ugh. winters. I mean, you wake up, you have the chill, you know, you got a fucking cat clawing at you. Yep. And, you know, we would just go out into the parking lot and smoke a cigarette in the morning, and then after that, fuck all. We did nothing. Absolutely nothing. Except we were... for the podcast. Yep. <laughs> we would write and research and uh, record. Recording days were the best. Some, I think we did two episodes in one day. Did we record two episodes in one day? Uh, yeah, every once in a while we would. I feel like we did. Yeah, and, you know, it was like, it was all we had to do, because no one was going to hire a couple of useless fucks like us. No. You know, and we weren't even really trying, you know. Oh, no, not at all. Not at all. (laughs) You know, I like, I got an interview in Chicago for a fake company, and I went down there, and I, I interviewed, and I was like, this is not a real company, and I walked out you know, lit up and walked to my friend's job. And he's like, Zach, actually. You remember Zach from the Zach episode? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I walked to his job. He's a colorist at this big frickin' company. You know, he shows me their, the the uh, 
the studio and all the shit they have. They got a suite with unlimited drinks and snacks and like, yeah. <laughs> I'm looking at this and I'm going, this is so far from me. I could never do something like this. Right. I've been a fuck up my whole life and now I'm fucking up even more and things are only going to get worse and I'll never get in. And you know, that was, that was where the sketch at the end of uh, uh crazy horse came from. <laughs> Mm-hmm. That, that was almost true to life <laughs> shit and um well anyway so that's the beginning of of the of the depression story and it's progressed and changed since then but i think that's my depression early life so james would you care to share your depression early life up until up until we started the podcast sure um so mine I, mine was slightly different i didn't there wasn't any great moment that that kind of spawned it all like you had that that crazy breakup but for me it was it was more gradual and it stemmed from me growing up being the only and eldest son in my family uh and for some reason I don't I'm still trying to figure out why this was but growing up I was I was spoon-fed the American dream. <laughs> Just everyone, my my family, my friends, my teachers told me that I was the best of the best. I was the smartest. I was the funniest. Um, they never said I was the best looking because that was too far for them. But just like they're, you're like James, you're gonna you're gonna be the best. You're you're an Eagle Scout. You've got a great GPA. Everybody likes you. You're such a good Christian boy. Blah 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 blah. Uh, so I I built this mindset in my mind that God damn it, I'm gonna be the president of the United States someday. Did you really think that, or are you exaggerating? I'm exaggerating slightly, but only slightly, because I, w- I had people tell me that I needed to be a senator, I needed to be a lawyer, an astronaut, blah, 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 blah. All these, <laughs> all these things. And then I got to college, and uh, to some extent, people were telling me the same, the same thing. But then I realized that there were... <laughs> So many people who were better than me in <laughs> everything. And, I mean, obviously, that's that's the case for everybody, but it surprised me because this is not what people had told me. They right. told me I was going to meet instant success no matter mm-hmm. where I turned, and people would be begging me to come work for them. Or oh, blah, blah, blah. I heard that one, too. Yeah, oh. yeah, exactly. Yeah, and um, turns out that's that doesn't really, that doesn't really happen. Hmm. So the world, it was, it was a huge wake up call. Uh, and yeah, I, I realized that I wasn't the best at anything I did. Uh, so that spawned this, this kind of thinking train where I said, well, if I'm not the best, am I actually good at it to begin with? Uh, because look at all these people who are better than me. And I was told that I was better than them. And so the more you become this introverted mirror, uh, the more dangerous it becomes and it becomes this giant spiral of, well, I'm not as good as so-and-so. So I might, I must not actually be this talented, mm. blah, 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 blah. And then a lot of the things that I claimed I was turned out to be lies all along. I just became more truthful to myself. So the, this good evangelical boy turned out to be this depressed kid who was addicted to smoking and drinking and pornography and, it, I I realized that I was 
nothing who I thought I was and nothing who everyone else thought I was. And then it just became this, this sinkhole of, geez, well, I'm, I'm not better than everyone else. I'm worse than everyone else. Mm -hmm. Uh, And from then I, once you, once you have that mindset, everything implodes because you have no motivation at least for me, I had no motivation to improve because why? I, I, I'm never going to be better. Mm-hmm. I, I've realized that I'm the worst. So I, I managed to not fuck up college, and that's that was big. But I almost did, uh, which would have been even worse. But I, I finished college, and that was good. But I didn't get a job for months. I. I got involved in a couple relationships that were just, it was like dating a, uh, a parasite. Um, and I was a parasite to them too, because we're in similar boats. Uh, I finally got a job after like eight months of being unemployed. And I worked in this, this factory. It was night shift. It was horrible. It was destroying me physically, mentally, and emotionally. So... It, but I, I was barely keeping myself alive at this point because I I didn't see the point in improving my life. I didn't see the point in going forward. And so I quit my job just because uh, I had some savings. I lived in this shitty Wisconsin town. Uh, so I was unemployed uh, at, at my own choosing, pretty much. Da- uh, living Blowing through my savings... I got totally addicted to smoking and drinking, and uh, and then that's when you moved in. <laughs> yep, like uh, and that's when everything got twice as bad. <laughs> <laughs> we hit the useless bastard trail pretty hard. Yep. <laughs> uh, yeah. So one of the interesting themes here is that we both heard that that story of like you know everyone loves you. Yes. Uh. And we, well, I'll just speak for myself here. Mm-hmm. So I, I got to college and I was like, yes, I'm finally going to take off. This is the launch pad, baby. Yep. And I kind of did. Like at first I was doing super well in almost all of my classes, um, except for math, which, you know, that's really It's not that important, no. No, not important. No. Not for what we do anyway. Here at We Talk About Dead People. Uh, <laughs> We've stopped numbering our episodes yeah. past 70 <laughs> because, well, we failed math. Yes, we can't count any higher than that. Uh, but yeah, so I was doing super well, and uh, I, I was sort of looking around, and you know, I had I had it all. I was actually, you know, in high school I'd been out of shape, but then I was kind of in shape in college, mm-hmm. and I was getting mm-hmm. good grades. And you know, even though I was I was still in this long distance relationship at first, I was still get, you know getting plenty of female attention. I was happy with that. Yep. Um, you know, everything was going just fine. And then the the breakup happened, and I went, well, what is my life? You know, I, it's, it sort of destroyed my world, you know? Because it was like, not only was, uh, was I completely fooled by this girl's facade of who she actually was, um... And you know, I, I don't, I don't blame her for it. For what it's worth, uh, she had a situation where she literally could not be herself. Yeah, I'm not going to give any details, but uh, it it sort of made me realize that I could be fooled, and that the things that I thought were most beautiful could actually be the most wretched. Ah, uh, yeah. 
And so I, it was complete disillusionment. I, I was, I was like, okay, so what else is lying? And so I started yep. like turning over every stone in my life. You know, I became, I, I, the pendulum started swinging for me. Like I went from being the, the winner success to being, I wanted to see how far I could go, how bad I could get and how shocking mm -hmm. it would be to everyone. If I just like, you know, fell completely off the wagon and became a failure, you know, like, wouldn't that show them? Wouldn't that yeah. show them? for t making me believe that this world is a good thing. And so, you know, I became, I became a really, really, uh, uh, you know, it started out as like, I, I deconstructed my religion and I was no longer a Christian and all that. Um, and, uh, I, then I became this really like loud atheist. I was like proud of it. And, you know, like, let me school you, you know, I'm watching like you know, Matt Dillahunty own people on YouTube all the time, you know, like, I'm in the shower, like, with my podcast playing, and it's like Dillahunty owning some Christian, and, you know, <laughs> it, it was like, it was really, really gratifying to just listen to somebody blast apart something that I wanted, that I, I believed was such a horrible part of my life. Yeah. Um, mm -hmm. The religion aspect of it was, I think, central, because my whole life I, I had... I had been religiously oriented, and not strictly because I was raised that way, but because I had an interest in the deepest of subjects, which was you know religion and philosophy and mysticism and myth and you know language and all that good stuff. And college was like the greatest place to learn all that shit. Right. Um, but after a while, it was like, oh, okay, so this theology stuff is basically this is how I thought about it. It was like it was like learning all about Pokemon. Okay. <laughs> it was like okay, so I know now a whole bunch of things about something that's not real. Like, that was my real perspective. Because mm -hmm. the the new... Is there, like, a vacuum cleaner going on over there? The, it's a it's a pod racer. Okay. Uh, there's a whole race going on. Okay. So, you know, they never mow this lawn on Tuesdays. <laughs> but today they're like, you know what would be great is if we moved our schedule to start mowing on Tuesdays. Because, well, fuck is, free speech. <laughs> this is a return character from our earlier episode. That's true. <laughs> So anyway, I, religion was a big part of it. Philosophy was a big part of it. And I don't want to touch into the religion thing because I, I don't think that, uh, one, that's what I want to talk about. Because I think it's more about your worldview. Uh, and your religion can be part of that. Or if you don't have a religion, that's also part of it, in my opinion. Mm. But the atheist worldview that I picked up was not like a positive atheism, like Seth Andrews or something like that. It was like the, I got to tell everyone how fucking stupid they are about, you know, if they're yeah. a Christian, I got to tell everybody how much smarter I am. You know, I was like, I was like obsessed with owning people. Like I said, you and were a fucking dick. I was a total dick. <laughs> yeah. uh, absolute, absolute dick. And, uh, I think you can be a nice atheist. Let me get that out there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. <laughs> uh, my brother's an atheist, and he's the nicest guy ever. Um, mm. That's not entirely true, and he knows it, which is a good thing. You don't want to be the nicest guy ever. <laughs> but anyway, so I, I was getting into all this shit, and I, my worldview became increasingly nihilistic. It was, wow, everything is pain and nothing matters, and all I can do is sit here and meditate on how fucked the world is. Sure. Uh, and how screwed I am, and how... You know, and then there was this creeping feeling that maybe I was wrong. Maybe I shouldn't have thrown all that away in my life. And then this pride came back like, no, you were definitely right. Everything you did was correct. And mm. it was good of you to throw away that lifestyle. And, you know, it was completely unbalanced. <laughs> I and think what they just ran over a turtle or something. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> Jeez. Okay. If that isn't a metaphor for all of this. <laughs> Yeah, good timing, Mower. Everything's <laughs> fucked, 
bam, <laughs> turtle dies. Oh, wow. <laughs> wow, okay. So anyway, that was my worldview for a long time. It was that nothing matters, everyone's stupid, and I'm, like, doomed to be the smart guy who understands the world's going to end, mm. right? Like, I'm doomed to look around and see stupid people fucking up everything and uh. Uh, just this very, very arrogant attitude. Uh, and when I was at your place, uh, it was, like, literally, like, that was rock bottom. It was like, wow, I am just freezing my ass off on this couch and there's a fat-ass cat trying to sleep on my feet and he yeah. wakes me up at five to feed him and like there's nothing to do but to get up and feed him mm. and then what you know like it yeah. was like my life was as empty and barren as those frozen wastelands in northern illinois i mean mm -hmm. you go outside it was like this is a perfect metaphor for where i am right now i'm just freezing out here this <sighs> Yeah, it, and well, it was... Go ahead. Yeah, and we, we fed off each other. Uh, mm -hmm. Definitely. <laughs> in a lot of ways, we were, we were worse off because we lived with one another. Now, that's not completely the case because we did start the podcast together, and I, uh, uh, later we should we should talk about what, what this show did for us. Uh, but we never... <laughs> one of the biggest things I remember is we never got out. We went out to smoke 300 times a day. Uh... <laughs> But the only thing that got us out really was occasionally visiting your brother, or uh, fighting or going off to the that, mowers. <laughs> yeah, fighting off the mowers, or going to that little coffee shop to research. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but uh, you gotta get out. I think that's one of the most important things: is get oh, outside. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, that was, you know, during this time, and it's all very muddled for me because I wasn't. I just there was nothing for me to remember. You know, <laughs> like yeah, nothing sure. was nothing was happening that was memorable. So I started like. On my worst days, you know, I'd be at my brother's and he'd go to work and I'd be there oh, at yeah. home and just like sitting there. And I had to move my car every two hours because the parking rules in Milwaukee are, <laughs> yeah. you know, hellish. And man, this hurts just remembering all this. Oh, what a pattern. You know, and uh, some days I would just stay there all day and watch movies and like that was it. Mm -hmm. And after a while, I got so frustrated. I'll never forget it because it, it was... It was, it was embarrassing, but and it it's, it is embarrassing. So I'm going to share this very personal moment, and you can laugh at me all you want. But okay. I I uh, I stood up. I was thinking I was watching like uh, a historical documentary or some shit, like you know World War Two in color or something. Mm -hmm. But I just shut it off and I stood up because the anxiety was so strong in me. Like you're never going to be anything. You might as well just kill yourself. And I started thinking about ways to do it. And you know I, I the thing is like. When I was in grad school, I actually had a gun, and I would think about it, and I would feel relief. Mm. Like, I would feel relief imagining putting that thing up to my head and pulling the trigger. Um, Yikes. I know I told you that. Um, yes. But I, uh, I uh, stood up, and I, I turned it off, and I just faced the wall. Like, not like six inches from it, but I just turned away from the television. I looked at the wall, like up at the ceiling, and I just said, don't. Hmm. And I realized I was praying, mm -hmm. and I didn't know to what. But I, 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 real, I just decided in that moment I was going to ask the universe and ask everything around me to just not right now. Uh, to just, and then I, it continued. It wasn't just don't. It wasn't just like I'm resisting. It was now I need to build something. Hmm. I, I just said, you know, if there's anything out there, please. And guess what? 
Nothing fucking happened. Well, I yeah, I wish I had been there because I could have downloaded Minecraft for you right <laughs> down there. <laughs> exactly. But here's the thing that that's kind of cool about it was nothing happened. It wasn't like a magic trick. Mm-hmm. But suddenly my brain was not looking for things to be destroying. It started mm. looking for things that were worth building. And at the time, we were, I was only building the one thing, and that was the podcast. And I, I'll tell you what, man. Like, it sounds like that was a come-to-Jesus moment. It wasn't. It was just this... It was it was the beginning of a long slog back, you know? Mm. And it was going up a hill and just falling every step. Like, you take mm. two, one step, you fall two back, you know? Like, that's what it felt like. And I was just pushing for anything, you know? Anything at all, you know? I'm still this raging atheist but i realize that it's that the nihilism part of it is killing me you know mm. and that's why i have such such hatred for the uh that kurtz gestat gestat video of uh optimistic nihilism because there's no such thing as optimistic nihilism nihilism and i, I won't get into this but nihilism is a is a conclusion it's not a philosophy it's a it's a presupposition not an end uh even though you can arrive there through logic and, and reason, it's still an, a conclusion. You quit when you become a nihilist. Uh, and true, I really was a nihilist. But I'll never forget that moment because it was like, it was it was total, an actual feeling of powerlessness. It was entirely like, okay, I have literally two choices. I can carry on or I can just off myself right here. And there were a couple of things that kept me from just killing myself. And here they are! Uh, (laughs) One, I realized it would destroy my family. Uh, That was the main one. So it was like, I realized also that, like, my mission in that moment was to stay alive for my family. Because if I didn't, it would destroy them. Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, and not to say, like, as, like, a complete narcissist, they would never be able to carry on without me. But it it would significantly... To say the least, it would least, change their lives. It would change their lives, and so I realized that my job right now was not getting a job. It wasn't continuing the podcast. It wasn't even like it was nothing but staying alive. I had to survive, mm-hmm. and I'll tell you what. Like again, it sounds like I'm compressing this, but this was like six months of every day. Just yeah. like remember to breathe right now, like, and then it you know at. at when it got really bad, it was like, just make it through one more second. Mm-hmm. Take one more breath in. You know, move forward. And that was that was the state of being at uh, when I was living with you. It was just like, you know, we barely even went to the fucking grocery store. Like we we went to Burger King. <laughs> yeah, we went to fucking Burger King. <laughs> uh, <laughs> So bad. It's so horrible thinking what, about What a cesspool of destruction. Oh, wretched, wretched lives. Like, literally the most useless you could possibly be, you know? Um, mm-hmm. And, well, I'm going to let you take over for a little bit here then, because this is, this, is, this is my useless bastard trail section of the story. And I don't know if you have any to share about your useless bastard trail section of the story. Uh, no, I'm, we're kind of in the same boat at this point, but mm-hmm. yeah, for, for months, we, we didn't do anything, uh, at least from the out, at least looking from the outside, but like you said, you were, 
you were in this mind battle with yourself just to keep going minute by minute, second by second. Mm-hmm. Uh, and for me, it was it was similar. Probably not quite that bad, but I I didn't have I didn't want to end my life uh, at that point. But I I had no motivation to improve things, which was hard because I was running out of money. I was not getting out of the house. Uh, I was smoking my lungs out, and the scary thing was, at this point, I was I was in a relationship with my now wife, and that put a huge strain on our relationship, obviously. Uh, so it was like, I had this, this time bomb that was ticking down, because I knew at some point, I was such a drain on this relationship... At some point, she wouldn't be able to take it anymore, and she would she would end things. And we got very, very close to that um, a number of times. Com- 100% my fault, because all I was doing was taking, and mm-hmm. which is t- which was terrifying to me, because this was the only thing in my life at that moment that, that mattered to me. But I had no motivation to work for it, or to work for anything else. So that's... And that that was where we were at for for five or six months, if not longer. Yeah. Uh, and I can't believe it, it lasted that long. Um, or that she had the patience for me for that long. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I don't want to I don't want to think about what would have happened if things hadn't worked out. Yeah. Because uh, who knows? Well, but, it, one of the things that turned me around another sort of come to Jesus moment was uh you said to me something like you were it was like real talk we like had real conversations like maybe once every two months uh where it was just like one of us couldn't handle it anymore and just had to say something Mm -hmm. and there was one day where you were sitting on the floor and I was on the couch and you said something like you're not as bad as you think you are you think Mm. you're like the worst person in the world and you don't get to take credit for that (laughs) <laughs> right. <laughs> and I realized in that, that when we talked about it, but the, the takeaway was that I realized that I went from being sort of narcissistic in the sense of like, oh, I'm the greatest fucking thing ever. You know, people can't get enough of me to being like, I'm the worst thing ever. And exactly. I can destroy anyone I want. And it's such an arrogant attitude. Well, you um, should talk about the shit testing a little bit. Oh, yeah. So there's this thing uh, that narcissists do. And I'm I'm working on it. I promise I'm working on it. Uh, haven't done it in a long time, but at the time I was doing what are called shit tests. Uh, narcissists do this to people who they uh, they think they can trust, but want to say that they can't. Well, uh, you, you yeah, you touched on this earlier when you were when when you were betrayed and you just didn't know if you could trust anyone or anything. Oh, yeah. And it's, it's a, yeah, yeah, it's a trust thing because uh, after that happened, I mean, there there were uh, I can't even fucking believe that this was a real thing. But I'll, I'll get back to the shit test in just a second. But there was this mm-hmm. thing I would do called depersonalization. Mm. And I didn't know what the hell was happening. But whenever I was around somebody I deeply cared about, I was not myself. And, like, I was... Like, let me explain it this way. It was like watching somebody else's life. Mm-hmm. Like, I wasn't myself. I was not attached. Like, you know, I was I was dating somebody for a while. And, um, like, I would be... F- fine but the moment i saw her i was no longer myself Hmm. and the horrible thing was she could see it 
in my eyes. Like, and she would say it like, you're not you. Yeah. Uh, and it sounds, it sounds again, like I don't want to be like, there was nothing I could do about it. Cause I don't do it anymore. Uh, but That's at true. the, at the time it felt like, uh, there was, it was like somebody was wrenching control from me. Yeah. Uh, I was no, I was not saying the words that I was saying. I literally could not connect with other human beings, especially when they showed signs of being trustworthy. Right. So when a person would show me signs of being, you know, innocent or signs of being trustworthy, the default response was to be like, no, you're not trustworthy. You're just like everyone else. Um, so let me just do this instead of like letting you reveal yourself to be the traitor you actually are. Let me do it for you. Yeah. You're not consciously thinking this. It's not a, it's not a conscious thing. You don't go, I'm going to put this person to the test, but you just start doing it. And I, I remember, because I was with you for a lot of these, you you didn't think you were doing this for a long time. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, no, I, I didn't know I was doing it. I thought I was just being, uh, well, again, it wasn't conscious. It felt like I was doing the safe thing. Yeah. Um, it felt like I was, I was preparing myself. It's like a preemptive strike. <laughs> exactly. That's exactly yeah. what it was. I destroyed so many relationships that way. Almost all of them. Mm-hmm. Um, but, and that's, it, what's amazing is that some people stuck with me through it and like, I, I can't even believe that. I can't even believe the shit I put them through. Mm. Um, but yeah, so the, the shit testing thing was real. Um, and that's again, like James said, it's a preemptive strike. And so, you know, when you're depressed and you're anxious and you're sitting at home and all you have is a bloody podcast to think about, uh, <laughs> and you're simultaneously pushing away all of your friends and being a total asshole to everyone, uh, you need those people who will forgive you when you want to come home. You know, like yeah. when you realize that you've wrapped yourself up in so much shit, you've got like, and you've got maybe one person who will believe you when you say you're sorry. Um, who will forgive you when you ask for forgiveness. Uh, I had like a few of a handful of people like that in my life. Yeah. And everyone else was rightfully distrustful of me trying to turn this shit around. Um, but like my mom, for example, she never stopped. She never gave up on me. And no. my dad never gave up on me. And my brother never gave up on me, and we were, we were all going through this horrible period of sadness together. And I realized I was creating a lot of it, um, just by being useless. And this is all going on simultaneously while making episodes, uh, you know, all the time. Like that was all we had to do, and you know, just fucking spinning our tires, going nuts, creating all the content we could. And well, it gave us something to do. We, yes. we weren't thinking about our... We weren't in our terrible little mind castles. <laughs> yeah. We were we were creators. Yeah. And, yeah. And, I mean, I started... As, as my philosophy started to turn around and, you know, as I kept researching, there was, there was the Trotsky episode, which really took me by surprise because I went into that one and I was like, I know nothing about this. I'm just going to... I'm just going to do it. Mm-hmm. And I learned about a person who did terrible things and, you know, um, just had a history of being violent and all the rest. And, uh, 
infecting his country with dangerous doctrines that resulted in the deaths of millions. And yet at the end of the day, he still thought he was a good person. (laughs) At the end of it all, Trotsky looked back and he goes, all right, like, I could have done it if those assholes hadn't gotten in my way. (laughs) And I had a lot of sympathy for that. I was like, shit, like, a lot of us do terrible things and we, we still think we're the good guys. Um... And, you know, that that's kind of the end of that thought there. But um, it started to work its way into the show a little bit more. Yeah. Uh, honest change. So, I don't know if you have anything else you want to say there. What, cha- uh, not, not what, changed for, what changed for you, though, when we had to move out of your apartment? Well, not a lot. <laughs> uh, because then we... Your parents, they, they went on a trip and we lived in their house for a while. Um so it was a different location, but mm-hmm. not a whole lot else changed. Yeah, it was like we moved in there, and this is this is probably where I started to see a little progress. Um, yeah. You know, I think you were still stuck in the same kind of place, mm-hmm. uh, but I'm certain you remember me, like, starting to exercise. Yep. Like, I would just get up in the morning and just walk for an hour um, and on the treadmill, and, uh, you know, I, I started... I was, and I'm not saying I was, like, good about this. Like, it was just, I'm going to get up and I'm going to get on that treadmill and I'm going to walk. It was something. It was better than getting up and smoking with coffee. Yeah. Uh, and I simultaneously, like, was starting to sort of see the flaws in how I was treating atheism and treating the world. Mm-hmm. Which was, hey, you don't have to be an asshole atheist. You can be an atheist and not be a terrible person. You have to, but that's that's literally your choice. Like if you're if you're a convicted, convinced atheist, like great, but your principles are not necessarily connected to your lack of belief in a god. Yeah, you still have to look around and like make decisions about whether or not you're going to do the right thing. And. I started to try to do the right thing more and I wasn't good at it. Like <laughs> I still fucking sucked. I mean, and w- this has been three years at this point of, yep. of just rotting away mentally, still working on the podcast, still making episodes. Um, and then we got, we did the uh, crazy horse thing and did that sketch. And that was the first time I wrote that sketch out. And it was like, I'm not even making this up. Like, this is me right now. Right. Um, like, this, this, is, this is maybe a slight exaggeration, um, but only barely, if at all. Like, it, it was the first time I sat down and I actually looked at my philosophy of life and I was like, maybe I should be a little bit critical of this. Because hmm. it's, it's the, the belief that nothing matters is true. The belief that, you know, the strings on a, on a piece of wood for a guitar kind of thing. You remember that little... Yep. Yeah, in the episode, I said something like, you know, a guitar is just a piece of wood with strings on it. And then you could even be more reductionistic and say, well, it's just atoms arranged and, you know, whatever. But the the real the reality is that, and the realization I got from that episode was that a guitar may be a piece of wood with strings on it, but humans assign the meaning of the word guitar. We sort of endow objects with names. We give them 
we give them life, essentially. Like, I say piece of wood with strings on it, it doesn't mean the same thing as guitar. And I say guitar to you, it doesn't mean the same thing as it does to, to me or to somebody else who really, really likes the guitar. You say guitar, some people are going to lose their shit. You say guitar to others, they're going to remember bad lessons, right? Mm-hmm. But the point is, we all have sort of this understanding that a guitar is a guitar, is a guitar is a guitar. And that the, the way we construct meaning in our lives, then, is to assign meaning to different things. You know, like some people name their cars. I named my car. Right, I name my car. Yep. <laughs> I name my car Ruby because it's gray, and uh, our first family dog was named Ruby, and she was gray. And you know, when I gave it a name, it became something more than just a car. It wasn't like a chariot that I could take around. You know, it was, it was a, a, a friend. Yeah, this is my buddy, right? <laughs> and that's when I started thinking about household gods um, that the, uh, the the Greeks had, um, where they would just have the gods of the house and. You know, they would, and I read an article about a guy who decided he wanted his house to have a, uh, his family was going to have a goddess of their household. Hmm. And I thought that was so weird, but then he explained it. He was like, yeah, so you can have a house and you can treat it like a house or you can have a friend and treat it like a friend hmm. and you assign personality traits to it. So like his house was in the woods or something. So he said, okay, so it's, it's tied with nature a little bit. Um, so they imagine like, you know, this goddess was kind of like a wood nymph a little bit. And, you know, they, they built up this little character for their house and it wasn't fucking real before you <laughs> jump on me. It wasn't sure. fucking real, but it was real to them. Mm-hmm. And that was sort of the turning point for me. It was like, I started realizing that you assign value to things and that's what gives them meaning. So the podcast became less of this is something fun that I do, it became now this is serious. I want to take this seriously, which is why I covered Joseph fucking Goebbels. I was like, let's see what we can do. Let's see how far we can go. You know, <laughs> Kim Il-sung, here we go. Now, baby, let's do it. You know, I started like feeling like I want to do something with this. Um, and this is about the time I decided I was going to move back to Texas. Yeah. And uh, I started to see that, to conceptualize the journey back is like i hated waco when i left you know i i hated it because i had experienced so much hell there and then i drove back through it and i was like this is just a town right and i i gave it i made it the demon that it was you know Mm -hmm. and so you know going to austin i was like maybe i can make something out of this city that i didn't make out of the other and what's interesting is since I've come here, I've been back to Waco, and every time I go back, my my opinion of it improves. And it's not just because the goddamn house building show is there. Uh, <laughs> it's because it's because I'm literally like revisiting my underworld, mm-hmm. and r- essentially bringing back the treasure and leaving behind the garbage. Hmm. You know, I, I'm revivifying my outlook on these towns. Yeah. You know, and uh, it's interesting that the negative fades away and the positive stays more often than not. You know, I stopped remembering the hell that I went through living in my shitty apartment off campus. I started remembering the dorms, you know, like the fun I had in the dorms. I mean, and I remember being kept awake at night by noisy drunk people on the fourth floor. (laughs) But uh, I also remembered like sitting on the porch with some of my best friends smoking pipes and talking philosophy. And I remembered um, working on my friend's novel that he wrote. Like, he wrote this amazing fantasy story, 
and I was editing it and I remembered that and it was beautiful. And I remembered the first time I realized I wanted to, I wanted to speak like into a microphone and I wanted that to be a cornerstone of my life. I remember buying the mic that I used when we started, like Mm. it sat in my apartment for three fucking months and nothing came of it until I just happened to be on your couch and we were working on a podcast together. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's like these these little things were all coming together and I started looking at my life as less of a less of a random sequence of events and a story. And mm-hmm. I also gave myself the agency to write a story of my life. I started writing out like what I wanted to do, what I would like to have, what my principles were going to be, what the end of the road was going to look like for me, how I was going to die, essentially. Yeah. Um, what I wanted to leave behind. And that's the thing. Uh, I was doing all of that, and then I moved to Austin, and I was still depressed. Hmm. I was still anxious, and I was still addicted. You know, I, I was I was living in a in a house with a couple other dudes, and like it was hell. It was hot and s- nasty because I got there in the summer. You know, I oh god, nobody was returning my calls. All my friends were ghosting me. It seemed, uh, you know, just sitting in that sweaty little room, <laughs> you know, with the door closed but not locked because you couldn't lock the door. Um, applying for jobs at Walmart fucking pluckers you know (laughs) buffalo wild wings like anything you know the rent's running out my savings are almost gone you know like everything is going to hell and i'll tell you what man when i got that call about that job at walmart i was like i wasn't upset i was actually really really happy yeah for sure because it was what i it was something it was something mm-hmm. real, and the job sucked. I mean, you work in at something like that. You work in in uh, almost said real estate, uh, <laughs> but you, you work in a store like that. People literally abuse you because you're the guy wearing the vest. Mm. The, everyone there is a racist. Like I, I saw so many of my friends and myself included just called racist shit on the regular, mm. you know, because we didn't know where the socks were. I mean, well, let's not jump to conclusions. <laughs> I mean, but it, I'm kind of with them there. I mean, fair enough. Like you need to know where the socks are. Yeah. Um, but it was it was like that job. I clocked in. I clocked out. I got like 15 hours a week. It was mm. it was hell, but it was a step forward. Yep. You know, here I am with a master's degree, sitting <laughs> in the fucking employee lounge trying to decide if I can afford chips or not for my 15-minute break. Right. Like, so many people deal with so much worse. And that was the part of it that I I realized, like, on the days when I was being abused or uh, the days when I, I was, you know, being stolen from and there was not, literally nothing I could do about it and I was just going to lose money or possibly get fired for letting it happen even though I'm not allowed to stop it. Like... <laughs> I realized that this is terrible, but you might not have the job. Yep. This is terrible, but you might not have the podcast to write when you go home. And the podcast itself became, it was, I remember when we started, I had realized, I realized that I 
lacked the ability to commit to anything. Hmm. Everything was a risk. If you commit to something, it's going to bite you in the ass in the end. But I committed when we started. I just, in my head, I said, this is the one thing I'm going to stick with. Right. This is the one thing I'm going to do, no matter what. And we've taken, what, two or three weeks off total? Yeah. Yeah, and only by necessity. I mean, like, James got fucking married. Like, that's, right. that was one reason. Um, you know, both of us were sick as hell multiple times. and But, like, since we started this thing all those many months ago, uh, it's been sort of my weekly touchstone. Well, I have the episode coming Wednesday. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's... I had that, you know, in Austin and for the first few months, like the first month in Austin, I didn't have a job. And I think it was the second or third month that I finally got Walmart. And then after that, I started to get uh, involved in a church and they needed a, a tech producer. I was like, okay, I can do that. And since then, it's just been, it's just been going up. But I'll tell you, I'll tell you something. The depression has been with me the whole way it was only it was only very recently that i would consider myself out of it Hmm. but we'll get into that a little bit later um so does that bring anything up for you uh you pretty much touched on the the major issues i was we were going through the same thing so to some degree so yeah not so fast (laughs) you don't get to just say that Yeah, this is about both of us, buddy. Well, thanks, man. (laughs) Well, one of the things I was gonna say is uh, one of the things that I I don't know if this is true for you, but one of one of the things that kept me going through all this was you became like this little this little science project for me, (laughs) Uh, like that little. That little mason jar with the whole ecosystem in it that you bring to your kindergarten class. Uh, I was like, well, my my life isn't going anywhere, but at least maybe I could help Aaron move forward a little bit uh, and be his friend and keep talking to him. So we fed off each other's (laughs) depression, but I think we also helped each other claw out of some some caves. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's funny that you say that because I remember you gave me the advice once. You said, well, in Eagle Scouts, we learned that when a person falls through the ice, you're not supposed to try to save them immediately. <laughs> Eagle Scouts. Yeah. <laughs> you know. Well, and you can't, you can never risk your own life to, to save someone else's life because then you'll end with two casualties. Yeah. Usually. Yeah. You have to get help or make sure you're secure before you start trying to help. Exactly. Yeah. And neither of us were very secure. <laughs> no. <laughs> um, so it's possible that I, like, stepped on your shoulder and pushed you under the water. Yeah, well, we were both, like, we, we were drowning in this freezing ice, but at least we gave each other a high five. <laughs> <laughs> high five, bro. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, no, it, it's it's hard to actually figure out where things started to change, but there there was no one moment. There was, mm-hmm. for me, I mean, I, and I don't want to talk about myself like I'm some goddamn success story. I'm still struggling with it. I've leashed the black dog for now, but it's going to come back, sure. as Winston Churchill would call it, the black dog. Mm-hmm. Um, 
I've leashed it for now, but it'll be back. I guarantee it'll be back. And I don't know what your current status is, but, you know, up to your wedding, you were seeming like in pretty good spirits, things were good, and um, could you... I mean, yeah. I don't know how personal you want to get, but um, the whole point is to be personal. Yeah, I'll, I'll get a little personal. So, I have these hemorrhoids, and <laughs> they're... <laughs> okay, so a little less personal is... Yeah, well, after we... After you moved to Texas and I moved back in with my parents, things... Some things got worse, some things got better. I got a job, um, which at least just got me out of the house. It gave me some sort of routine. And started paying off some debt. Uh, but the the big thing for me was I managed to salvage the relationship um, by <laughs> moving, f moving one step in front of the other uh, ever so slowly. And I got engaged. We got married in January, and things were things were much better than they were. Uh, kind of in that that honeymoon stage, as they as they call it, where no one can do any wrong. Everything is perfect, <laughs> uh, and things things were great. We had our own apartment. Uh, we have our own apartment. I wasn't evicted yet. Oh. <laughs> but as soon as they find this moonshine, still they'll, they'll <laughs> definitely kick me out. Uh, yeah, so th things were good, and this was just this past January, February, March, where, uh, I was, I was married, everything was, everything was, and is great, my, the relationship is, is beautiful, but, there's more to life than just that, and I, I haven't really moved forward, uh, with, with my work career, with my body, I've gained so much weight. It's it's appalling. Um, so yeah, the last the last two months, I've I've begun sinking again into that 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 place of well, you you may do one thing right, but for every one for every one thing you do right, you're doing three things wrong. Yeah, and it's like a hydra. You cut off a head, you you gain one victory, and it seems like two more heads pop up. Mm-hmm. And that's that's really the scariest thing, because, again, like you said, I'm not a success story yet. Uh, in some areas, definitely, but in other areas, things have things have gotten worse. And, I mean, we're in we're in our mid twenties. We're still figuring things out. But, yeah, the last last month or two, it's it's been more rough as I'm trying to figure out who I am and where I want to go. Yeah, I don't know. Do you feel like you've just started working on that, or you've been working on it for a while? It, it comes and goes. Mm. So it hasn't been a constant development. But, yeah, every once in a while, this I, I will make a move to improve my life, and that'll that'll keep things afloat for a little while. And then, as soon as I start... As soon as I stop creating or moving forward... I immediately sink beneath the waves again, mm -hmm. and it seems like you you've lost all your progress. And yeah, yeah, and your mind comes up with ways in which it could never get better. Mm -hmm. uh, you th you start thinking like this is this is the end. This is the last head I have to cut off of this hydra, and then you cut it off, and then bam, two more. 
Yep. And the thing is, like, it's a it's a daily grind, you know. Uh, for me, I'm I'm happiest when I'm doing the things I don't want to do, like checking my email. I'm afraid to check my email because yeah. somebody could be coming for me. You know, there could be a bill I forgot about or something. Yep. Um, I don't like I don't like looking at my bank account. Oh God, I don't want to look at my bank account. You know, is it going to be overdrafted again? Oh, who could? I don't want that. Yep. Um, but what's interesting is that every time I feel like I can't, I shouldn't or don't want to look at my bank account, I go and I look at my bank account. Right. That's the difference between me now and me last year. That's the the major critical difference is if I see something I don't want to address or I don't want to tackle, I do it. Yeah. And it it is, oh, it is not me being better. Um, (laughs) It's just me being honestly, like, so done with it. It's like, it's better to like experience the, the, the icy stab in your heart when you see that low number or that Mm. high bill. It's, you know, you look at that, it's worth feeling that just so you know where you actually are. Because when you're depressed and you're avoiding all input and all the people, the, one of the major things that happens is you lose all context for your whole life. Absolutely. Yeah. You're just like, you're just floating. yeah, well, you don't know how beneath the waves you are, mm-hmm. and so there's no there's no way to channel enough energy to get above the waves if you don't know how far below you are. Yeah, so that that's the thing is you have to look at it. You don't want to look at it, but you have to look at it. Mm-hmm. And that's the not to make this all pretty and put a bow on it, but that's part of like why studying history has made me a better person. Mm. I don't you don't want to look at the shit that happened in the past. You don't want to accept it because it's wrong. Yep. You want to erase it because it hurts. It's like, my opinion on that has changed so much. It used to be like, you know, indifferent. Like, I'm indifferent to whether or not this this needs to be told. Like, you know, I was, right. I, I was okay with, okay, Stalin was a bad guy. Hitler was a bad guy. You know, Winston mm-hmm. Churchill was a good guy. Henry Ford revolutionized the auto industry. <laughs> exactly. You know, you look at it, you, you want to, you're okay with these simple little characters, but you go and you look at them and you're like, wow, all of them were like, they were just people. Mm-hmm. And now they're dead. And all, yeah. all we have to look at is their actions and the results of their actions. Mm-hmm. And and a shitty skit or two. <laughs> um, but and you, so you you start part of me being an analytical, you know, toward these historical figures. I started analyzing my life, and when you encouraged me to be a little bit more objective with my quality as a human being, like don't think you're the worst person in the world because you literally that's like really arrogant of you to think you are. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's like, oh my god. So I look back and I'm, I'm looking at like the things that we did that were good, you know? Yeah. Um, like I shared a story uh, at your at your wedding um, about one time you fucked up and you wrote a, an apology letter. Right. Like I, that stunned me because at the time I was, I was, I believed that if you fuck up, it's always somebody else's fault and there's nothing you can do to fix it. So you shouldn't try. And if somebody's upset at you for some petty shit, it doesn't matter. If you didn't, if you don't feel like you did anything wrong, you didn't do anything wrong. But that taught me that your feelings don't always, aren't always trustworthy. Mm-hmm. And especially when you're depressed. <laughs> yeah. Because <laughs> you're like, you know, when you're depressed, you're just like, you know, you're sitting on your couch, staring at the wall or watching something stupid on YouTube or, you know, like for me, my drug of choice wasn't actually cigarettes or alcohol. It was information. 
Hmm. Like I figured out that's my greatest addiction is information. Like I consume the news so fast and so often that like sometimes I just get so stressed out and I realize, oh my God, I'm just binging right now. Yeah. So I turn it off and I put some music on or nothing at all if I'm really bad. Uh, and I just try to let it go. That's how I deal with anxiety. That and CBD, (laughs) (laughs) which works by the way. Hmm. Um, to, to enter that little essential oils conversation. <laughs> it's an essential oil that does something. <laughs> Did that bring anything else up for you? Uh, not really. <laughs> Did you? So maybe let me just push you a little bit. Yeah. So do you give yourself credit for the good things you do? Mm, sometimes. Sometimes. Yeah. Not never, not always. No, exactly. Mm. Um, yeah, it's basis by basis. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Yeah. Um, and do you are you like really hard on yourself when you do something wrong? Yeah the big the big thing for me is I ignore things uh, because it's it's safety mm-hmm. if you ignore, and that goes for both good things and bad things. Uh, mostly bad things because that's mostly what I do. Um, but. Yeah, safety is... Well, ignorance is safety and strength. And so whenever I do bad things or don't do good things, I ignore it. Uh, which, of course, makes the situation worse. But at mm. least for the time being, I, I'm okay. Yeah. And that's that's my big life pattern. You don't want to look at it, you know? Mm-hmm. Right. You yeah, don't, yeah. don't want to face it. That. Mm-hmm. You know, like, I, I, uh, I mean, I'll be honest, like... Half the reason I got off Facebook was I didn't want to see my exes. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. it. And and here's the thing: I didn't have the courage to unfriend them, uh. to just just unfriend them or or just even ignore it when I see it. You know, I didn't want to see their faces. Yeah. Um. And so that's why I got off. A, lar- a large reason why I got off of Facebook was because I didn't want to go look and unfriend and deal with it like that. Yeah. Uh, and overall that was a net positive because I think being on Facebook is like terribly unhealthy all all told. Um but that's a large reason why I didn't go on there. I was like I didn't want to look at it. I didn't want to accept that, you know, an ex of mine has a kid now. You know, I didn't want to yeah. believe that one of them was getting married. Right. You know, I didn't want to I didn't want to look at it and, you know, it wasn't like it was even jealousy. It was just like I don't want to accept that that was a part of my past and now it's not anymore. Mm, you know, mm-hmm. I don't want to, I didn't want to see friends that I had, you know, falling out with or whatever. I didn't want to see any yep. of that. Um, so I got off and overall, that's kind of a good thing. I mean, I don't think there's anything wrong with never seeing an ex again. <laughs> like, it might yeah. actually be super healthy. Cause like, for example, <laughs> my mom recently uh, was getting messages from dudes who were into her in high school. <laughs> Okay. They never, they never gave up. Oh my god! They're like, "Hey, can we be friends now?" And she's like, "Nah, <laughs> I've been married for thirty-five years." Uh, oh god, crazy. But um, anyway, so the avoidance thing isn't always a bad thing, but when it's 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 uh, you know, like I get a text from my boss and I'm like, "Oh no, oh what did I do yeah. wrong now?" I'm like, "Oh god," and I don't want to look, and I wait five minutes, and then I'm finally like. Fuck it, I need to look. And I look and it's like, oh, God. He wasn't mad at me this time. He didn't do anything wrong this time. You know, right. um, he or she, I actually have multiple bosses. <laughs> um, but, uh, you know, it's like this this feeling of, of relief. Like, I didn't mess up this time. 
Mm-hmm. And I'm getting to a point where it's no longer like relief that I didn't mess up. It's it's uh it's it's the positive feeling I get because I had the courage to look, not yeah. knowing. Uh I think one of the things that I don't really listen to the Jocko podcast anymore. Um, but one of the things that I loved about his his whole attitude mm-hmm. was that no matter what happens, he just says good. <laughs> you know? It's yeah. like, sir, we just lost an entire squad of soldiers. Good. It's like, how do you say that? How do you put a happy face on that? Well, you don't. As he mm. says, you put a normal face on. <laughs> and you say good because now you can look for an opportunity to counteract that negative thing. Sure. Uh, and that's that's part of like... Uh, okay, here are the tools I've used to improve, and I'm okay. not, a, like I said, not a success story, but I will tell you what, right now, I will say I have depression, like, on a leash. Mm. Uh, I have anxiety, well, I'll say I have depression in a kennel, and I have anxiety on a very, very short leash. So, uh, <laughs> but I'll, just, just in the manner of, like, making this a little bit pragmatic, and I'm not saying this works for everyone, okay? That's, yeah. the, that's the number one thing. I, it doesn't work for everyone. It might not work for you, and you might have tried this and failed, and you might be mad at me for even recommending these things, but I'm just going to tell you what worked for me, um, just so uh, it might give one of you out there an idea about how to improve. Um, Adult coloring books. Adult coloring books and safe spaces. That's the trick. (laughs) Actually, it's the exact opposite. It might be, yeah. (laughs) It's it's the exact opposite for me. Okay. Um, The exact opposite was... uh, So, well... I'll just start this way. I started seeing my life as a story. Okay. And I started looking at myself in the third person and being objective about what was really going on. Hmm. And I realized that there was some truth to my feelings that I was a big fucking loser. Right? I was actually correct about that. My feelings were right. Uh, But my feelings that that could never change were wrong. Because you look at... It's like, okay, objectively. I'm looking... I'm starting my day, and I'm looking at my, my pack of cigarettes, and I've got ten. Right? Yep. And I'm like, well, this time last month, I would smoke all 10 of those this morning. Yes. But I'm not going to do that. I'm going to smoke nine. You yeah. know? And it wasn't even like discipline. It was just like, I'm going to see if I can do it. I'm going to see if I can smoke nine. I made it a game, right? And so I did. And, you know, I went from smoking a pack a day to now not smoking at all, um, vaping infrequently. Um, but, <laughs> you know, nonetheless... It's it's still better than fucking, you know, pulling in burning plants, <laughs> as far <laughs> sure. as we know. Um, but, like, okay, so, and and that's that's another thing, too, is, like, when I started vaping, it was, like, all the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, I couldn't take breaks, because I was so fucking addicted. I just couldn't stop. And then I started reducing... And it was terrible, because my apartment smelled like oh, cream and oranges. <laughs> It wasn't actually an improvement from the tobacco smell. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, and I did it inside because it was too cold to go out. Uh, but anyway, so... It's like my my brother and I have been working on this together. Uh, just, like, cutting back. And he's doing much better than, than I've been doing. Like, he's he's been pretty much off of it for a long time now. Nice. But, like, it, 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 was, it was going like, okay, so I, I didn't smoke that pack today. Um, I smoked 19 out of 20, right? Mm-hmm. that's improvement. You know, uh, yep. the exercise thing, I don't really want to run. I don't want to get swole. You know, I'm not going to lift a ton of weights, but I'm going to walk. I'm going to just get like, the first thing I'm going to do is I'm going to put on my shorts. And if I feel like I don't want to go any further, I'll quit right yep. there. But I have to put on my shorts. Right. 
But then it was like, all right, I already have them on. I might as well go down there and I'll, I'll walk for 10 minutes. And then I got 10 right. minutes in and it was like, eh, you know, yesterday I only walked 10 minutes. Maybe I could walk for 15. Yep. So I put on one more song and walked through that. And then eventually, you know, I worked my way up to an hour and I wasn't like fit. It's not like walking for an hour is going to make you <laughs> fit. Yeah. But I felt better. And, uh, you know, since I, since I've been here, I've been, you know, uh, working on various things and it's not always removing things from your life. It's sometimes adding things. So like, mm-hmm. h- how about I eat a vegetable this week? That would be good. Mm-hmm. Like, well, it wouldn't be so bad if I just ate a vegetable this week, you know? And it, again, it's not discipline. It's just like, I'm at the store and I look over and I'm like, I bet I could eat a whole cucumber in one sitting. <laughs> <laughs> Can we? Can that be the title of the episode? <laughs> Eat a cucumber in one sitting. <laughs> Maybe not. <laughs> we'll come up with something. Uh, but the the thing about it is, like, things aren't like perfect for me. Um, mm-hmm. But if I if I look at the net positive and the net gains, you might say that I've achieved, it's like I am still a huge loser in a lot of ways. Yes, absolutely. Yes, you you can confirm that with me. Um, I'm still a huge loser in a lot of ways, but I'm a winner in a lot of others. Yeah, um, I have I've won over apathy. Yes, I beat apathy. That's really hard. Not everyone can do that. Some people are apathetic their whole lives, and somehow I did it. Like I'm yeah. I'm, and it started with I'm less apathetic today than I was yesterday. Like I was I was turned completely on not like sexually but like completely on you know intellectually or something for five minutes today right that's good and you just have to give yourself credit for those little things that you do that are that are improving yep so i'm gonna try to reel this in a little bit so thinking of my life as a story and viewing it in third person making little steps every day and you know it's like with smoking trying to quit Every time you every time you stop or try to quit, you're closer to actually quitting. Even if you yes. fall back again, uh, it's and that's that's the same thing with. Uh, I would say like nihilism is something like an addiction. In your brain, mm. you're you're constantly looking for reasons that things don't matter, so you don't have to do anything or you yeah. know believe anything or have a backbone on any issues, that sort of thing. Um, you know, uh, that's the well that that was my drug of choice for a while, so I beat that. Um, by simply choosing to believe that things mattered and for the things that I didn't choose, um, the things that I didn't, and there were things that I didn't have to pick. Like it mattered clearly that I was alive to my brother, for example. Yeah. Um, so that was a clear, a thing that definitely mattered. It mattered to, um, the podcast that I stayed alive. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And that was always growing a little bit. Uh, and you know, I just started finding things that mattered. And started, and I, and there was another, there was another epiphany that I had a while back where I was, um, I got a buzz off of my vape and I was like, and this was a, a while ago. So it was probably, I was still living in whatever, but I got a buzz off my vape and I was like, I would rather not have this buzz right now. Like this mm. is, this is distracting me from my work. Mm. And so that's when I started cutting back on that. And because it was like, and, and the same thing with alcohol. Like, people have asked me, do you even drink? It's like, yeah, man, I've actually had a major problem. Yeah. Um, like, it's not even a joke. Like, I, I can't no. fuck around with that shit. Um, so, like, you know, I'll have a beer with somebody. And I'll be like, I would just really rather not be struggling with the question of whether to have another one. Yeah. Like, that would be good. Um, you know, and, and recently, like, I... 
And I've been, I'll admit, I have not been perfect about this, but um, I recently made the decision that if I'm going to drink, it's going to be beer or wine and nothing else. No cocktails, mm. nothing, nothing hard. Um, and, you know, I, I've fucked around with that a little bit. I had somebody in town and shout out to Roy. Um, we had, we had a little, a little bit, uh, bourbon and it was delicious, but I, you know, can't fuck with that shit. Not frequently yeah. anyway. Uh, but it's like, you gotta give you yourself. To, you have to cut off the Hydra head. That is Roy. <laughs> <laughs> That's what it comes down to. There is, there are so many jokes he would make about a Hydra's head right now. He's just that kind of dude. Oh, okay. <laughs> I like him. Uh, yeah, you, you would like Roy. Um, but yeah, so like just looking for improvements you know, like giving yourself credit for the days that, that you do a little better. Yeah. You know, those are steps that you take to, to, to freedom. And eventually, you know, you, you can throw that pack of cigarettes away, Mm -hmm. you know, it's, but it's not like, I mean, some people can do cold Turkey, right? I don't know if you could do cold Turkey depression. (laughs) Probably not. Probably not. Uh, unless you like won a million dollars and got married to, you know, a supermodel who had a PhD or something. You know, like maybe <laughs> even then, like, I mean, I've done that a few times and it, it, it always falls down on itself. Yeah. The hits never quite the same as the first. No, time. <laughs> no. But yeah, I, so those, those have been my things. And, um, another thing that just one last, one last thing, and then I'll quit talking so you can say some more shit. Okay. Um, is my brother used the, uh, he used the, uh, the imagery from Pilgrim's Progress, ironically enough, because he's an atheist. Um, and it's, I'm just saying that it's a joke. I'm sorry, <laughs> but you know, in that story, it's it's a it's an allegory of a of a of a man's life and progress towards salvation. Mm-hmm. And at the beginning of the story, he's living in the city of destruction or whatever. It's going to blow up, and some guy named Evangelist comes in and converts him to Christianity. He's like, "Hey, like you've got to go to the celestial city, and the way only way you're going to make your way there is by focusing your eyes on that gate in the distance." And you're like yeah. points and there's this there's this wicked gate way off in the distance and it's so far away but it turns out that no matter where Christian is in the story if he remembers to look for the wicked gate he will always see it even when he's in like a dungeon or a slough of despond you know right as long as he keeps his eyes fixed on the wicked gate he'll be making progress and that's what my brother said is that he keeps his eyes fixed on the wicked gate hmm. um, and god damn is that useful to imagine in your head absolutely yeah so huh. eyes forward, you know, one step after another, just one foot in front of the other. It's just, it's a slog. It's a grind, but, um, you know, and I, I'm, I'm in a good state right now, but dude, you, you remember like when I got here, there were days where I would just call you and I'd be like, I'm fucked. Yep. Yeah. Well, and that's, that's another important thing is even if you like kind of how you were even if you cut off as many people as you can try to have people who you who you can talk to about this mm-hmm. uh that that's a key thing yeah mm. and then the other thing i'd say is pretty much what you said is that those little steps um they can still be horrible steps like going from 20 cigarettes to 19 cigarettes but eventually uh week after week if you keep on going it'll It'll go down to 15, it'll go down to 9, it'll go down to 5, and then you'll you'll eventually come to that day where you throw out that pack of cigarettes. And I will be there in a trench coat and ratty top hat, <laughs> digging through your garbage to find that pack. Yeah, um, yeah, and, and that's the other, that's one other thing too, is that like, 
Uh, there's a there was a forum I went on uh, in college because I realized I had an alcohol problem. Um, I went on to this forum and the uh, the thing was they it was uh, it's called stop drinking I think on Reddit. Okay. And they have this phrase that they say to each other: "I will not drink with you today," hmm. because all you have to do is just get through one day, and then it gets sure. it gets easier. Um, and that's kind of that's kind of a good motto. It's it's shorten your view, you know. Keep your eyes on that wicked gateway in the future, where someday you know you'll be completely free of your addiction or your depression or your anxiety. Um, it, you may never get there, but keep your eye on it, and you'll get farther than you would have if you didn't. Yeah. So it's because like, you know, it's putting on the shorts and the and the gym shoes. It's like that's keeping your eyes on the wicked gate. It's maybe yep, someday. Stop. Maybe someday. Because uh, you can frustrate yourself just being like, you know, imagining yourself with a six pack and like, you know, you can, you can, <laughs> yeah. you know, imagine yourself that way. And it's like, maybe that'll help you. But focusing on the fact that you don't have one right now is probably going to hurt you today. And yeah. today is the day that matters. Right now is the time that counts. Yep. So anyway, current status with depression with me right now, it's in a kennel. And James, how would you rate your status? Um, uh, I've <laughs> I was walking it uh, down the street. <laughs> it got away from me. Well, it, yeah, I I maintained my grip on the leash. Mm -hmm. It is now whipping me around the block, uh, and I'm trying to throw my right leg over depression so that I can at least gain some sort of control over it. <laughs> Just imagine uh, the uh, attack dogs in Call of Duty. That's about... <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, and I'm being whipped into, like, fire hydrants and trees, and I've got twigs in my hair, but oh, we're getting there. We're getting there. Yeah. But, anyway, uh, I think this was good. What do you think? Yeah, yeah. I think I think it was great. I enjoyed it. Yeah. I, there were some good reminders. <laughs> yeah, it, f it feels good to look back at it and be like... And that's that's another thing about it is, you know, we're talking about this in, in conceptually, but, like, we're literally doing it right now. We're looking back and saying, yep, you know, last year that was the 20 cigarette year. <laughs> yeah. This year's the 19 cigarette year. Mm -hmm. uh, we're working our way forward. You know, it's not fixed. It's not fixed, but we're getting there. Yep. And uh, it feels good to relive it. Or actually, I should say, it hurts to relive it. Because it's it's I hate remembering that that's where I was, but you have to. But you have to look at it. Yes. <laughs> you, have, you don't want to, but you gotta. And yeah, I mean, and that's that's part of why we tell people don't listen to episode one, <laughs> <laughs> or or any of the first sixty five episodes. Yeah. <laughs> or last ten episodes. Oh God. Or any of them actually. <laughs> Yeah, pretty much any of them. Yeah, yeah. Because I mean, yep. It's just a it's a great little picture of of. Uh, I mean, God damn it! We started a podcast and we didn't even know how to get on iTunes. Yeah, I didn't know what a podcast was before we started a podcast. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'd only just started listening to them, and I was like, "This is the greatest thing in the world." And then I, you know. I was like, I should do this. <laughs> yeah, you you asked me if I you texted me. Do you, we should start a podcast or something? And I had to Google what a podcast was to respond. And then you found out that most of them are legitimate information sources, and mm -hmm. we decided we were not going to be that. 
<laughs> yep. Exactly. <coughs> yeah. I don't know how to end this. How do we how do we tie this all up in a neat little bow? Well, uh sure. So obviously we're not experts in this and the goal of this was not to to solve depression universally once and for all. This was more, I don't know, kind of an introspective look at where we are and hopefully Hopefully our podcast and our antics on the podcast and our characters kind of make more sense, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and if, if I don't know, if, if, listener, if you guys, if you feel that some aspects of the show have been better than they were or worse than they were, the, the show is a mirror of our, our current uh, abilities, our current place in the icy river that is depression. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's, that's what I'd say. Yeah. And, uh, you know, we're, we've been having some conversations or at least just one right now, but we've been talking about making some changes to the show. Mm-hmm. Uh, we'll keep you thoroughly informed on those. Uh, cause right now, like we both have pretty hectic lives. Yeah. Uh, you know, I've got a, I've got, you know, two part-time jobs and this and, you know, other side hustles I'm doing gigs and all that shit. You know, it's this is the this is your this is your mid twenties. Like this, <laughs> yeah. this is your mid twenties. This is what it looks like, baby. Uh, you know, <laughs> maybe not for uh, maybe not for well-grounded uh, individuals. Well-grounded individuals, yes, but for for the majority, at least for it seems like a lot of millennials, uh, this is the way things are. Yeah. Um. But yeah. So. Next week, we'll be back with uh, more history, <laughs> mm-hmm. and uh, hopefully we will we will uh, still have those dogs on those leashes or in their kennels or whatever, and we're not being dragged around by them. Um, yeah, I felt like there was something else I needed to talk about. Well, uh, I don't know. Hmm. Nope. <laughs> was it a song perhaps oh do you have a song to sing james no 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 i don't i'm trying to throw this softball over over to you oh you want me to sing uh, well that's i'm assuming that's what you forgot to do oh uh what song should i sing oh shit I what songs do i know oh my god happy birthday i could sing happy birthday let's do it it's someone's birthday out there <laughs> <laughs> to the listener out there whose birthday it is this is for you hmm Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, dear listener. Happy birthday to I'm definitely going to get evicted now. (laughs) It might be a 20 cigarette day. (laughs) 